0: For the past several weeks, we have been studying through the book of James. And as we continue today, we have come to a portion of Scripture where James asks the question, How do we know that we know God? That is an important and powerful question. How do we know that we know God? And the point I believe the Scripture often makes is that sometimes we deceive ourselves into believing that we know God when in fact we do not. There are some who are convinced they are going to heaven when in fact they are not. Jesus issued some powerful words in Matthew chapter 7 verses 22 and 23 when he said, Many will say to me on that day, the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now think about what Jesus says there. He said, in that day, in the day of judgment, there will be people who will say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not preach your word? Did we not teach your word? I had a minister of music in a former church who came to the realization that even though he was in ministry, that he did not have a relationship to Christ. Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do miracles in your name? And yet Jesus said, and then I will say to you, I never knew you, depart from me. So there are some people who deceive themselves into believing that they know the Lord when in fact they do not know the Lord. I think that James, more specifically here, is dealing with those who believe that they are spiritually mature when they are not spiritually mature. There are those who think they are spiritually mature because they are involved in various Bible study groups. And so they go from Bible study to Bible study to Bible study. But in some instances, that becomes a substitute for a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are some who believe that they are spiritually mature because they have become involved in legalism. And I think that is always a temptation, especially for someone who is new in the faith. Because we like to check things off, that if I do these things or I don't do these things, then that means that I am spiritually mature. And I can reflect back in my own life when the Lord began to change my life and I really wanted to serve the Lord, for a period of time I quit eating pork. Now, not for health reasons, but because I thought that was being spiritual to do that. And so sometimes we get involved in legalism, thinking that because I do these things and don't do these things, then that means I am spiritually mature. Some people think they are spiritually mature because they attend church faithfully. Spiritual maturity is determined by our response to God's Word. That's spiritual maturity. How one responds to the Word of God. And that is what James is dealing with in this passage of Scripture. Take your Bibles, please. James chapter 1, we'll pick up where we left off last time in verse number 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. To visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world." Now, as we look at spiritual maturity, James says, first of all, that we are to be receptive to the Word of God. And there in verse number 21, he says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the Word implanted, which is able to save your soul. The word receive that is used there means to be hospitable. It means to welcome so then we are to welcome the Word of God into our lives. And to do that, we must, first of all, be committed to listen. He said, be quick to hear. Now, The truth is, oftentimes we hear, but we really do not listen. Nikki Young sent me uh, an email this week and said that Bubba went into the doctor's office and went up to the receptionist and she said, uh, Bubba, what do you have? He said, shingles. And she said, well, then fill out these insurance papers and someone will get with you in a little bit. And so he sat down and filled out the insurance papers. After a while, there was a nurse who came over to him and said, Bubba, what do you have? he said, shingles. And she said, well, come back here with me and we're going to draw some blood. So they went back and drew some blood and she took him back out. After a while, another nurse came over and said, Bubba, what do you have? And he said, shingles. And she said, well, come on back. We're going to see the doctor. And so she took him back to the little room where you go and... And uh, she said, now take off your clothes and so forth, and the doctor will be here in a little bit. Well, after a while, the doctor came in, and he said, Baba, what do you have? And he said, shingles. And so the doctor looked at him. He examined him, and, and he said, Baba, I, I don't see uh, shingles. He said, where are they? He said, they're out in the truck. Where do you want me to put them? <laughs> so sometimes we hear, but we really do not listen. Jesus said, therefore, take care how you listen. How does one respond to the Word of God? And you recall when we were studying through Matthew chapter 13, that Jesus gave the parable of the soils, and He says that there are different responses to the planted Word of God. He said sometimes there is a hardened heart. In Matthew 13:19, when anyone hears the Word of the Kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So Jesus said that sometimes the word is shared, but because our heart is hardened, it takes no root in our lives. He says there's also the shallow heart. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, you've seen that. People who receive the word of God in a favorable time, and then when it becomes unfavorable, then they fall away. Their, their heart is a shallow heart. And so the word does not take root in their lives. Jesus then speaks about a crowded heart in Matthew 13:22, And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So sometimes the word of God is shared, the seed is planted, but worries about the world and the deceitfulness of riches crowds out the word of God, and again, it does not take root in that person's life. Then Jesus mentioned the fruitful heart in Matthew 13:23, and the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit. Now, Jesus talks about four different soils here where the word of God is shared, but only one of them becomes fruitful. Now, when the word of God finds place in our lives, we bear fruit. Well, what is the fruit that we bear? Well, first of all, there is evangelistic fruit. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. My friend, if the Word of God takes root in your heart, then you want other people to know Jesus. I really believe that. That if the Word of God has place in your heart, you become concerned about those who do not know Jesus. So there's evangelism. And then there's the fruit of holiness. Romans 6.22, But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit from God resulting in sanctification or holiness. If the Word of God has place in your life, you want to live a holy life. It does not mean that you are sinless, but it does mean you sin less. You cannot be a you cannot be successful as a sinner if you are a saint of God. Now, I'm not saying that you don't sin, but I'm saying you cannot be successful at it. Because you want to live a life of holiness. Then there's a fruit of compassion, Romans 15:28. 28. Therefore, when I, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, and the fruit of which he speaks is the fruit of compassion, when Jesus Christ's word finds place in our lives, we become compassionate people. Have you noticed that? Sweetest people in the world are the people of God who are walking with God. Because they produce the fruit of compassion. And then character. Paul says in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So we are to be committed to the Word of God. And then he goes on, he says, let everyone be quick to hear and slow to speak. Someone has said that we have two ears and one mouth, so we should... Listen twice as much as we speak. Proverbs 17:28 says, "Even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is counted prudent. So we are to control our tongues. If the word of God is in our heart, we are to control our tongues. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Let me ask you, do you ever listen to what you say? Do you ever listen? Are your words positive? Or are they negative when you speak? Do your words build up? Or do they tear down? You see, he is saying that, and we're talking about Christian maturity here. We're talking about someone who is mature in the faith. So he says then that we are to be quick to hear, slow to speak. And then he goes on in verse number 19 and says, And slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of of God. Proverbs 1429, he who is slow to anger has great understanding. Have you noticed that anger gets us into trouble? Or is it just me? Have you noticed that? Nathan the prophet came to David and, and told a story about a man who had a lot of sheep and he said, and there was another man who had one little ewe lamb. It was the pet lamb of the children. And so the man who had all the sheep had company to come, and so he went down to the man who had the one little ewe lamb and took it and prepared it for his company. And when David heard the story, he was incensed, and he said, that man ought to die, not realizing that Nathan was speaking about David. Anger does not serve us well. uh, You know the story when Jesus was arrested and Simon Peter took out his uh, knife and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest, does not serve us well. I think that every good teacher knows that a teacher gets more out of a student by encouragement than by anger. That is not only true for teachers, that's also true for pastors. I I remember in my last church where I was pastoring that I had gone on vacation, and uh, so I invited a a fellow to come in and preach while I was gone, and apparently he came in and really chastised the people. The reason I say that is because one of the ladies caught me when I got back and said, Now, if you believe that we need to be disciplined, then you give it to us. Don't bring someone else in to give it to us. Now, I thought about that later, and what she was really saying is that I'm willing to accept discipline from you because I believe you love us. But I'm not sure about him. I don't know who he is. You see, We, first of all, have to believe that someone loves us for us to accept discipline from them in a positive manner. So anger does not serve us well. It does not serve us well as parents. Now, we are to discipline our children, instruct our children, but you ought to not do it in anger. You know that. In fact, it was interesting to me with my two children when they told me as adults that the greatest pressure I ever put on them was to trust them. We are to discipline, but not in anger. So he says there in verse 19, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now in verse 21, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. The word filthiness is an interesting word because in the medical sense, it means wax in the ear. Filtiness there, wax in the ear. Barclay wrote, James is telling his readers to get rid of everything which would stop their ears to the true Word of God. When wax gathers in the ear, it can make a man deaf, and a man's sins can make him deaf to God. So what he is saying there is that we are to get rid of everything that keeps us from hearing the Word of God. What is it in your life? What is it that keeps you from hearing the Word of God? So he is saying that we are to rid ourselves of that. And again, in verse number 21, receive the word implanted. And the word implanted has two meanings. First of all, it can mean innate. Barclay said, if this is its meaning here, James is saying that there is an instinctive knowledge of good and evil in a man's heart whose guidance we should at all times obey. And it seems that sometimes Paul uses that word in that sense because he wrote in Romans 2:14 and 15 for when gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law these not having the law are a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts and in a condition that innately, you know that some things are right and some things are wrong. But the word can also mean implanted. could be referring back to the parable where the Word of God was implanted in the soil of the heart. I think James could have been using it both ways here, that it is innate in a sense. And it is also implanted. So, he is saying that we are to be receptive to the Word of God. If you're going to be spiritually mature, then you must be receptive to the Word of God. That means that you're committed to listen, that you control your tongue, you have a calm demeanor and a a clean life. Then he says we are to be submissive to the Word of God. We receive the Word of God, we submit to the Word of God. Look at verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers, who delude themselves. If we receive the Word of God, then we are to submit to the Word of God. David Jeremiah said, According to a recent Gallup poll, 82% of Americans believe that the Bible is either literal or the inspired Word of God. More than half stated they read their Bibles at least monthly, yet half couldn't name even one of the four Gospels. And fewer than half knew who delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Now, folks, if we take seriously the Bible to be the Word of God, and we receive it, then we are to submit to it. Okay? Now, how do we do that? What is required for you to submit your life to the Word of God? Well, first of all, it requires examination. Look at verse number 25. The one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. The word looks that is used there means to stoop down and gaze into. Look, stoop down and gaze into. All right, that was the word that was used of John when he came to the tomb and looked in for the first time. On resurrection morning. The Bible says in John 20, verse 5, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there. All right, so that is the word that is used there. It means to stoop down and look in intensely. John was looking into the empty tomb. What does that mean? The body of Jesus, where is it? The linen wrappings, why are they here? So, He was examining what he saw. He was intensely looking at it. The word is also used to refer to Mary when she looked into the tomb. In John chapter 20, verse number 11, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. So Mary is doing the same thing. She is looking into the empty tomb of Jesus with the question, what does this mean? Where's the body? Why are the wrappings there? So she is studying it. She is scrutinizing it. The word is used again to refer to the angel's examination of man's salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, Things into which angels long to look. In other words, the angels are curious about how we are saved. They are curious about the, about the provision of God for man's salvation. And so they are looking that way. Now, I say that to say this, to be submissive to the Word of God, you must examine it and conclude that it is the Word of God. Is that not right? I mean, why would you submit your life to something that you do not believe to be the Word of God? So you are to examine it. And I encourage you to, I invite you to. The Word of God can stand your examination. It is not fragile. You know, sometimes we try to protect the Word of God. Folks, we don't need to protect it. We just need to turn it loose. It's like having a lion uh, on a leash and we are trying to protect the, the lion from the deacons. You don't need to protect the lion from the deacons. Just turn it loose. Well, the Word of God is the same way. We don't have to protect. Examine it. Look at it. Study it. Because until you are convinced that it is the Word of God, then you will not submit yourself to it. So first of all, there is examination and then reflection in verse number 25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. Then we examine the Word of God and then we reflect on it. What does it mean? And so he says there in verse number 22, that we listen to it, that we might become doers. And then in verse number 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Now, here is the analogy that that, uh, James is drawing or the picture that he is painting. He is saying that many of us get up and we glance in the mirror, and we go on our way. Okay? Some of you did that this morning. I mean, you glanced in the mirror and think, yeah, well, I look all right. And you come to church, and when you get here, somebody says, you got something in your teeth. You see, that's what happens when we glance. We just sort of glance and go on our way, and we really don't pay any attention. Well, that's... now the parallel that he is drawing here is that we oftentimes do that with the Word of God. Every day we get up we glance at the Word of God and we go on our way and we forget all about it. It doesn't mean anything to us. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't do anything. Folks, I believe that if we really get into the Word of God, we examine the Word of God, we reflect on the Word of God, we are intently in the Word of God, then it is going to change our life, which is what happened to Job. Job was going through all the difficulties that he was going through, and he was complaining to God that what he was experiencing was not fair. Finally, the Lord met with him, and he said, You know, I've got a few questions for you, Job. And there is this litany of questions that the Lord asked of Job. And then Job said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I believe if you and I are willing to examine the Word of God and then reflect on the Word of God, that there will be a change in our life then that will require a response from you. You'll notice again in verse number 22, Prove yourself doers of the Word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. We must not substitute religious activities for the Word of God, and yet we study the Word and do not do the Word. That's what James is saying. Oftentimes we study the Word, but it does not affect our lives. In fact, it's been very disturbing to me, the studies that have been done, that there is very little difference in the lifestyle of those people who go to church and those people who do not go to church. There's very little difference in their lifestyle. It's one thing for us to know the Word of God. It is something else for us to do the Word of God. Sometimes we substitute talking for doing. Studying for doing Talking for doing It's a lot easier for me to preach about prayer Than it is for me to pray It's a lot easier to teach about prayer Than it is to pray Max Licato wrote Do you want to know how to deepen your prayer life? How many of you would like to know How to deepen your prayer life? You'd like to know how to do that You know what he says? Would you like to know how to deepen your prayer life? Pray Don't prepare to pray Just Pray Don't read about prayer. Just pray. Don't attend a lecture on prayer or engage in discussion about prayer. Just pray. And if you feel you should only pray when inspired, that's okay. Just see to it that you are inspired every day. You see... What we do a lot of times is that we substitute all these things for doing. The Bible says that we are to study the Word of God, that we might do the Word of God. Oftentimes, we even pray to keep from doing what God has called us to do. Lord, help me to be a witness. You ever prayed that? Help me Go witness! You don't need to pray about witnessing. Go witness! You don't need to pray about praying. Pray! He says, do the Word. Now, if we do then we are changed by God's Word. Verse number 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. This is pure and undefiled religion. In the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. folks. What James is saying is if we are mature spiritually, then our tongue is changed. James 3.10, from the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. If we are mature in the faith, our tongue is changed and now we speak positively rather than negatively. Now we speak to build up, not to tear down. Now we speak the Word of God that others might know God. Our understanding of possessions changes because I understand that all of it belongs to God and I am simply a steward of that that belongs to Him. That I am to be a river dispensing the blessings of God, not a reservoir hoarding the blessings of God. Our focus has changed. Now then, my focus is on orphans and widows, those who have needs, not on myself, But now my focus is on those people who have needs. And my fortune has changed. In verse number 25, he used the word blessed, which is an interesting word in the Greek language. It's makarios, which used to be the name of the island Cyprus. And it was called that because it meant that it was sufficient in everything that one needed. That that island had everything one needed to make life good. And so the Bible says that we are blessed by God. So we don't need what the world offers when we have what God gives. Let me conclude. Make sure your religion is real. Make sure it's real. Be receptive to God's Word. Welcome it. Be hospitable to God's Word. Be submissive to God's Word. If you receive it, Submit yourself to it, and you will be changed by God's Word. So James says, but prove yourselves doers of the Word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. How does one know that one knows God? Do you know God? You see, that's my prayer, and that was James' instruction. Make sure that you know God. Our gracious Father, we come to a time of invitation and ask, Lord, that You speak to the hearts of people, for those who have never come to know Jesus, that today they would commit their lives to You. I pray for Christians, Father, that we might truly be mature, that we might grow up, that we might stop being children tossed to and fro, Lord, make us mature, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.